Hello, my fellow Brapintonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler. Salam and good evening. This is Shaheen the Shah of Brap Alvandi. You're, you're gonna really you're just gonna. I still got more words on the thing, man. I'm not done yet. I want to get in on this, I'm man. Not, I'm just sitting here staring at your cat. Oh my goodness! All right, carry on. And joining me on this two-wheeled <laughs> adventure is the patriarch of power wheelies, Mr. Shaheen Alvandi. You already, you already talked. Like, I, Salam no and good evening. <laughs> this is Shah, Shaheen, Shah of Alvandi. I don't know. Damn it. This is going wrong. <laughs> Whew, it's going to be a show today. You sir. let me buy caffeinated drinks before yeah, we came here. I didn't think you were going to get like, I didn't, wasted I a, on pure leaf tea before the show. It might have been the 16 ounces of matcha that I drank beforehand. Oh, you know what matcha is? No, but I'm sure it makes sense. It's green and it tastes like dirt and it's got like twice the caffeine of what you're drinking, which is also green. green. And tastes like dirt. No, it tastes like honey. <laughs> tastes like nectar from the you gods. You need to talk to your bees because your honey tastes weird. This, this, I'm a, I'm a bee lurer, man. Oh, oh. Buzz, buzz, buzz. I got nothing. I've got literally nothing. Yeah. You know what rhymes with my name? My last name? I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to say it. Al Bundy. You know, I remember the old Married with Children. Candy. Oh, I like that even better. Cotton Candy Alvandi. I like it. Let's, you know, Boom. scratch what I said. Boom. Cotton Candy Alvandi. Al Bundy was just the modern man. He wasn't. He said, like, I should do it too. I'm going to. Ah, oh, man. Now I don't know if I'm sitting like show. Al Bundy. I got a couple of fingers down. I'm just going to look down at my iPad and <laughs> contemplate all the decisions I've made in life. <laughs> uh, we've got a show today, sir. I'm pretty stoked about this. I want to talk to you about your dream garage. Oh. But. Oh. Before we get to that, I want to do a couple newsy items. You cool with that? Newsy items, then dream garage. All right, go to the news. And that gives you that news. gives you like approximately twenty minutes to go do all the homework that you didn't do before the show. Didn't do I before the show. This is going to come show. from the heart, Jensen. The oh, heart. Man, I just turned my iPad off yeah. doing that. <laughs> you don't need to do homework for what comes from the heart. That's where the Dude, songs come from. That's why you're the patriarch of power wheelies. <laughs> I, by the way, I suck at wheelies. I'm so bad at wheelies. It's not even funny. Oh, yeah, me too. Like, anytime I've done a wheelie, it's because gravity just forgot for a second. Power wheelie is no big deal. I can't clutch a wheelie to save I can't my either. I, anyone that can put one up and keep it up there, hats off to you. That's yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. I don't think there's enough return on that investment for me. And at this point, at this age, no thanks. My, like, wheelie Wednesday contributions are, like, the antithesis, where it's, like, what is the lowest wheelie that is still technically a wheelie? <laughs> That I can post. Like, is there a <laughs> centimeter off the ground? Is it like a couple pixels? When the VTech hits and goes, Brap, and then it comes up and you go, because that's the noise your B-hole makes. <laughs> and what's more like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, Shaheen, I have some good news for you. Okay, hit me. Laguna Seca is back on the World Superbike calendar, sir. Oh, my God. I saw that. I screamed. You you put that up on. Listen, I probably refresh asphaltandrubber.com at work like every five minutes. You're a little, that a little is like, unhealthy. That is what my core readership is. It's it just is. bored okay, so people at work. I saw that and I literally went, yes. And somebody went, what? Mm, you would understand. <laughs> it would mean nothing to you. Uh, yeah, I was pretty excited. I got that email um, from World Superbike at like 1 a.m. And was super stoked because it really didn't look like that was going to happen. Um, my understanding of the situation is the track, which is now... The county has a lot more hands-on in terms of its management. Was basically trying to renegotiate with Dorna for the sanctioning fee for the race. Nice. And was basically like, we're not going to pay you guys anything. Do you think MotoGP will ever go back there again? No. 
Oh man, I wish that track is not safe for MotoGP. It's barely like it's only on the World Superbike calendar because everyone loves going there. The racers love racing there. The teams love being in California. All the officials and everyone want to have like uh, an American vacation. Yeah, it's there in the coast. It's beautiful. It's got uh, history, but that track is not terribly safe for racing in general. Um, (laughs) Apparently, if you hit a an obstacle off the track, you can sue someone. Oh, I don't news. want to go down that route, yeah, but news. I am totally fine with him suing them. Oh, I know. I've talked that. to you about it. I, we've I, we've I had this conversation. I'm totally fine with it. Um, Has that lawsuit gone anywhere? I haven't heard anything All since, right. but it, I, that doesn't mean anything because it's something that's going to take like forever. We may have just unearthed it for no reason at all. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. MotoGP is never coming back. I'm amazed World Superbike's still there. We don't have like a good alternative, basically. That's that's probably why World Superbike keeps going there. Yeah. You could go to Coda. That would make sense. Uh, kind of. Coda is beautiful, but it's such a snooze fest to watch a race there. It's so big. It's it's really big. You know, truthfully, having ridden Coda a few times, not my favorite track. It's not a terribly fun track to ride. Really? What I do like is having press launches there because I think it's a great track to evaluate a motorcycle on because it's got a little bit of everything. But in terms of like having a good time, eh, not really. Oh, it's not like it's not like a bad track. It's just for for all the pomp and circumstance that we give it. I, there's a lot of places I would rather go. Yeah, a lot of lesser tracks. I would I would rather ride Laguna Seca. I I would I think as well. I'd rather ride Thunder Hill. Fair. Um, probably not PIR, but like that's kind of like the where I would put it. Wow, you know, like, like in terms of your PIR. I mean, it's got more elevation. It's got like actual like left hand turns. Yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty stoked that this race is is happening with Moto America uh, as a sports series. So there won't be any Super Sport or Super Sport 300. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I I like I like that event. I'm glad it's on the calendar. You know, World Super Break without an American stop is really sad. Yeah, it's not World anymore. Well, it is. It's just not coming to North America. I will say this. I, I enjoy going to motorcycle events outside of the country a lot more. The The crowd is so much more into it. Here, it's like, like Coda just was empty. I was able to walk around. And it still had 60,000 people in it, but it just wasn't. It's so big that you just kind of, it, it seems to f- uh, water it down, I guess. It's just weird in the U.S. because... The fan base just isn't there. Like, no. like Holland gets more people at Aston than we do. <laughs> you know, that's one of the, the more crowded races. Brno. Right. Like, the reason Spain has four races is because Spain can have four races and it'll be sellout crowds. Every time. I mean, we went to Valencia and we you can't, you're just shoulder to shoulder with everybody. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I think the weekend of the race in 2018 in Valencia, I'm sorry, 17 in Valencia, there was... Overall, 210,000 people in the three-day yeah. period. Yeah. And that track area, I mean, you've been there. It's not that big. I've ridden, so I did the Panigale V4 launch there. That's right. And we we're going around, I was like, I don't know how MotoGP bikes are doing this. This it's, is crazy. It's a, it's a tight track. It's gnarly. Um, so, yeah, good to see it coming. Good to see Superbike coming back to Laguna in California. And uh, I'll be there. Will you be there, Shaheen? Will the will the Shaw of Brap be making an appearance? I'm going to make a real concerted effort to be there. Okay, I, let's just say yes. Let's yes. Just go ahead and say yes. I will be there. Say yes to the dress. I will totally be there. I'll probably have like gold shoes on or something. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to buy them for this occasion. I'm going to get you a gold chain with a big Brap Talk logo on it. Gold chain. Yeah. So, well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to figure something out for that. That'll be good. I think we could do a live show there, probably. Oh, my God. Don't talk to me about live shows. <laughs> I, I love have, meeting. I, I love meeting people. I like interacting. Live shows are logistical nightmares. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want none of that. Just do Q and A. We'll let people talk about whatever they want to talk about. <laughs> open mic. That goes real well. Just open mic. Open podcast. mic. <laughs> you get two minutes. Go. Who's this mic guy? Why is he so open about things? <laughs> He's very open about you talking to him. Uh, did you get your order in for your Yamaha R1 GYTR? You know, I I haven't yet. But well, you're too, you're too late. I I feel like. <laughs> Wait, are they all sold out? They all sold. They sold out within twenty four hours. That's super impressive, considering it's a over forty thousand dollar vehicle. Which yeah. goes back to a conversation we had not long ago. That's yeah. the thing now. It's a thing. So, so if people don't know what we're talking about, Yamaha Motor Europe did this special track only one off. Well, it's not one off. They only made twenty of them. Uh, twenty off R one super bikes that are basically they have the same livery as the Suzuka eight hour bike which is really kind of like a throwback livery to when the R1 came out in 1999. Um, it's got carbon fiber fairings and a crop of uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for that white and red. I think it's yeah. beautiful. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, it's got the whammy bammy Brembo brakes on it. Uh, what else am I missing? Olin Olin's. suspension, Bridgestone, yep. slicks. I mean, it's a pretty cool bike. It's, it's track only, which is a little tough. Wait, how is it track only? I mean, it's set up with lights and everything. But it's it's the endurance setup, so it's got like a oh I so see. endurance you have to run a tail light and you have to run a front marker light. Got it. So it's got that, but it okay. doesn't have like a headlight per se, and doesn't have turn signals or. They didn't say anything about if any motor work had been done to it, and I don't think so. I don't think there was, but I don't think this thing's passing any emission standards. Um, and they wanted thirty nine thousand five hundred euro for it. That's a that's that's interesting. It's an interesting price. Who's who's next? Who's making a cool yeah. one off, twenty off, whatever off? Yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Like I, I do, I do kind of get into it because I I think it's gorgeous. I think it's I love the throwback. I love the idea of it, and clearly twenty other people thought so too. Yeah, that's the thing, right? It only took twenty people. Like you can find twenty idiots. I've I've always said this, and people roll their roll their eyes at me every time, but exclusivity ends up being the name of the game in this. If you're going to make something super cool like this, don't make a thousand of them. Make 20, make yeah. maybe a hundred. I don't think I have the, I don't think the R1 has the cachet or it doesn't resonate something with me where like a special one-off like this is something like, oh, I got to put that in my garage. Like we'll, we'll kind of get to that when we get to the dream right, garage section. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't really tickle my fancy, but I can see how there'd be like 20 people in Europe that Oh, the R1, that was like a formative bike for me. I remember when that came out. Yeah. That thing was rad. And this is this is one bitching ass bike. And then being like one of 20. Like you're not going to come across someone with this bike. No. And how many of those are probably just going to get put in a living room? 19 of them. Probably. <laughs> probably. The, the, math, uh, the math works out on that. I, I mean, your race bike's in your bedroom right now. Yeah, only because I'm working on it. Whatever. <laughs> so I don't have any more room. If you're cold, they're cold. Room them in. It is, exactly. <laughs> if they're cold, you're cold. <laughs> You can tell which bike is the favorite in the garage. That's right. Jeez. We will we will we will get there. We will get there. We'll talk about that. Um what was the other? I had one more newsy item for you and it was about we so last time we talked about how uh, KTM CEO Stefan Perrier wanted yep. to 
or was at least musing about buying Ducati. Right. Um, that was a that was that was a pretty popular topic last week. Everybody was chatting about this. Quite, quite the topic. I mean, it's a big it's a big piece of news, right? My That's, Facebook has basically been comprised of politics, and then is KTM buying Ducati? Mm-hmm. I have so many people that re. <laughs> I don't know what it's called when you re uh, whatever Facebook right on Facebook re Facebook it yeah um, repost that's it so out of that same interview with Speedweek the the German magazine that ran that KTM wants to buy Ducati kind of story um you know the same interview the CEO is talking about the his future kind of plans for KTM when it comes to its middleweight bikes okay that's exciting so. It sounds like they're going to come out. So it sounds like one, the 790 platform is going to to branch out. There'll probably be like a, uh, uh, what do they say? Like a supermoto and SMT version. Okay. Uh, so it's like kind of like the adventure bike with a 17 inch wheel and probably different styling. Okay. Um, and then they were talking about, and this is what I think is really interesting, a twin cylinder 500, which would also be a platform of multiple models. That would be that would be a super cool lineup. I think. You think about that. So. KTM would have a 390, a 500, a 690, a mm-hmm. 790, mm-hmm. a 1090, and a 1290. I mean, like, that's super saturated. Like, you're just soaking up all the little nooks and crevices It's just there. everything for everybody. You're right. I think that's be- how you grow, I think. You have to have... You have to have more offerings and motors, not just style. You can't have the same motor and apply it to five different platforms and call it a day, Ducati. Yeah. Um, so I, I like the way they're going about this. Yeah, it could be good. Um, and they're, I mean, they're, KTM is really good at squeezing power out of these motors. It's not going to be some little wimpy 500. It'll probably have what? What do you think it'll have? 70 horses? 80 horses? <sighs> yeah, I think that's fair. That's yeah. I, I would expect that of KTM, and I guarantee they'll give it to you. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption to make, especially when you kind of look at what the 790's putting. The 790's putting out like 100, 105. Yeah depending on what bike it's in. Uh, I like the idea of a 790 Supermoto, so that's going to kind of go head-to-head with the Hypermotard. Yeah. Like, that's probably, like, the first bike that'll actually be very analogous to the Hypermotard, which is a model that's near and dear to my heart, so I'm kind of curious to see what that looks like. But a 500, I think the 500 class is maybe the most interesting segment for the motorcycle industry for me because when it's a 500, that's small enough that could be, like, a premium offering in a developing country. But it's still big enough that it's like a bike that could come to the Western markets pretty easily. And it still do well. Like, I'd rock a 500 if oh, it yeah. was, like, super light and make de- decent power. Like, yeah, if it weighed 300 pounds and made 70 horses. Well, especially for those of us that live in A, urban, B, areas of the country that there are a lot of curvy roads that you don't have to have just a ton of motor. Yeah. I'm, I'm Frankly, I'm a little bit sick of the big motor thing. Get a bigger, more powerful. Who Who has ever been able to use more than 100 horses properly on the streets? It's just... Too much. See, I'm more like who's been able to use more than 150. That's I, I think that's 150 fair. on the street. Like I don't see the difference really between 150 and 200. I've never ridden a hundred horsepower bike and said to myself, "Gosh, I wish this had more." I mean, I enjoy it. I have plenty of more than more than that. Actually, both my bikes make more power than that. But I've also ridden plenty of bikes that make under 100 horsepower and still giggle the entire time. But that also is going to have to be a bike that's light enough and nimble enough to handle it to make you think this is enough. If it's a big, hefty boring thing then whatever and that'll be the really the the proof in the pudding so to speak because if it's kind of just like a budget 500 you know that's gonna be a tough sell in the west markets i think ktm's gonna keep it on the premium side and maybe bajaj will use that motor in a in a different offering um 
and and have that be more budget focused. So I'm very intrigued by where that goes. I thought it was just uh, an interesting little thing to to discuss and and kind of percolate in the back of your heads. Like, what would you want? What what 500 cc bike would you like to see built, Shaheen? What what what, what should KTM build in your mind? Um, it would probably be something that I would enjoy riding, which is an adventure type bike. Hmm that doesn't weigh that could maybe weigh under 350 pounds that'll handle you know medium length trips yeah you know if, if i could do like a baja trip on a 500 i would i think you're exactly right and have it have it be like a dakar style type yeah. bike yep because i i think that's where especially right now with the dakar being 450s mm-hmm. i don't really want to ride a 450 on the street like i was actually impressed with the honda crf 450l because right. Even though it was a 450 single, it was actually pretty good on road. But like my supermoto is a 477, and it's not the most fun. No, you know, like you kind of got to ring it out. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Like it's just, it's just that engine doesn't quite have enough juice to get you going. Yeah, and if KTM's going to be able to, you know, pull 70 plus horses out of that thing with a twin cylinder, I think you could. Yeah, that that would be amazing. That's and then, a bike and then it I would keeps love it nice see. and tight and right and yeah. light. Give uh. it a give it like a maybe five gallon ish fuel tank yeah you, you could go places with that bike. I like that'd be amazing at. and then you just like siphon in your dakar I am. little thing i am yeah that i would be I, that would be a bike i would actually enjoy riding because i would it, be all up on that yep put a 21 inch front wheel on it yes right have that complement the 790 adventure r yeah mm-hmm. oh man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. atm i know you're listening mm-hmm Sign me up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start after drinking some orange Kool Aid. I've been drinking red Kool Aid for my whole life. I think I'm switching flavors. I don't know if I'm going to switch, but I'm definitely, you know, orange is the new Ducati for me, I think, slowly. Oh, I can't believe I said that. That hurt a little. Ooh, look at you getting dirty. My heart skipped a little. I'm going to drink something. Hold on. Nope. Nope. I I would still rock a KTM, probably. Damn it. So that was one of the things. So. So before we we talked about the show, I sent you a thing saying like, hey, we should talk about like our dream garages. Yep. And like go through like the different manufacturers, what bikes would we buy, what would we put in our garage if it was our money, that sort of thing. And one of the things I was kind of realizing in this mental process for as much of like a little Ducati fanboy as I can be sometimes, there's not a ton in the lineup I would buy right now. No. I have the one I would buy from them. And then, like, kind of the brand that I saw myself being like, well, I want one of those, and I want one of these, and I want two of those, KTM. Yeah. I want, I want like, almost every bike in KTM's KTM lineup. is starting to kind of take over, you know, all the right things that I look for in a motorcycle. Now, they don't have a proper sport bike. No. For the ready-to-race brand, not right. to have a proper sport right. bike and feels like... I did scratch my head at that when, when it was sort uh, of announced. Yeah. Um, I get it. They probably don't sell much because they, I think they did the RC8 sport bike completely wrong. Oh, yeah. The but RC8 was like its own. I, I wonder yeah. if that's that's what they're basing it on, their experience with that specific segment in the market based on how they went wrong about it. Um, so that's where Ducati sort of comes in for me. Although my adventure bike is a Ducati right now, and it's probably my favorite bike in their lineup. Their V4 is just super tasty. But at this point, there's other bikes out there that will make you, I think, equally excited. So I got my little list right here. Ooh, I like it. You just described the two bikes from Ducati I would own. I would own a V4. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I could ever afford an R, but I could do an S really easily. Or, Listen, or an S with an exhaust on it is not that far off from a V4R. Oh, yeah. Right. So, I mean, just throw down the extra money. Buy the damn thing. Eh, eh. And, and what you have in your garage, a Multistrada Enduro? Yep. 
Um, I mean, now it's the 1260. Now it's the 1260 with quick shift for yeah. up and down shifting. So uh, I, I'm, I don't think it's enough for me to change bikes just yet. Yeah. I'm going to wait and see what the next one will be. But I, I feel like the Enduro is tremendously underrated. Um, and that's, I don't know if it would be my pick, but I definitely would. That would be one of the bikes I'd consider. Yeah. Um, so why don't we just jump into it? I'll, I'll just okay. I'll just read you mine, okay, and we go. can talk, and then we can do yours. How about that? This is such a great analogy of how we are different as human beings. You have a list. I'm going with the heart. Well, I was like, oh, like I, I told you, we're going to talk about this. I better I better be prepared for today's show. I appreciate your because because the last show you sent me like a novel of an email. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, he really did some work. I was trying he's to impress, really, I was trying to woo you, man. He's really doing the time. <laughs> I gotta I gotta step it up. I'm not used to this. Yeah, usually I wear like jeans and like khakis. Today I'm just wearing like gym shorts. Yeah, I don't know. Like, were you hanging out? Man, this is my couch now. Were you hanging out with like some Russian mobsters before you came over? I mean, I am half Armenian. I just wanted to, (laughs) if I had a pair of Adidas shoes to wear, I would right now. Oh my goodness. I just have my my adventure boots and stuff. Okay. So, so we talked about this a little bit before the show. Like, the problem with my list, it is very dependent on how many motorcycles I can fit in my garage. (laughs) Because left to my own devices, I have what? One, two, three. I have six six bikes that i would put in my garage which isn't really feasible <laughs> wait are we are we doing this based on our current garage situation i'm just saying like just generally just generally like like okay because like, my garage is like a third smaller than yours but you don't have to put a car in it that's fair but i can probably fit and your, your, five your garage bikes. is I have to not five third bikes smaller than mine it's it like is. two-thirds the size you you fit a large suv and i counted five bikes last I've fit- Let's just say my Multistrada is in there right now with your large SUV and those other bikes. That's fair. I can't do that in my garage. I can do nine bikes, but you cannot move around the garage when you do it. If you put your large SUV, if it fit in my garage, there'd be room for nothing else. I have a one-car garage. You could still put. You could still put a couple. Of, I bet. I bet I could put four bikes in your garage with my car. Really? Yeah. But I'm a Boy Scout. We pack the shit out of things. All right. This is a game of Tetris that I'd like to play. Maybe yeah. we'll video it. Yeah. Ooh, oh, can we do like a Benny Hill music video, and video just play challenge? Fast? <laughs> mm. The challenge. We shall see. <laughs> um, yeah, because like I start getting into like, oh, what bike would I want like an everyday bike? I want like a tour, I want an adventure tour. And it just gets it just gets a little story. So I'll, I'll start with the easy part. Okay. Track bike. Okay. Going down a PIR track bike. Is PIR the track that you're gonna base this I on? I mean, this is where I live, right? Okay, fair enough. I already got it. It's Kramer. I get a Kramer. Really? I bought a Kramer. I mean, you bought, I bought it. a Kramer because I wanted a Kramer. All right. Uh, I could I could see myself because I do wish that the the 690 Kramer had a little bit more gumption. A little so maybe bit a more. 790 Kramer? The 790 Kramer is looking very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I'll be very curious to see what that looks like in its final form, if it'll still be a 790 lamp. Because that's one of the things that's kind of cool about the Kramer in my garage. It's a stock 690 motor. Yep. <clears throat> so you could probably build that motor out and maybe get... 90 horsepower. I don't know if 100 is possible, but Ooh. I'm sure someone could build a 100 horsepower. I'm motor. sure I just don't could, know how long yeah. it would last. Uh, but I would probably want like a 120, 130 horse bike. And I think that's what the 790 is going to end up being, especially if they do some motor work at the factory okay. before it, it comes to Tony. Um, because that's, it's just a little bit more like, it's just sad when like an SV650 passes you. It's, you know, it's depressing. It is. It is. Uh, it, it makes you think about what choices have you made in life, exactly, and how did you end up here, exactly. But so this is this is the other the horrible part of my list. I have like an alternate for every single one of my. Oh, okay. Segments, I like that. I like right? that. It's a dream. It's a dream. It's list. a dream. You should have it's a dream. I'm very indecisive. 
Are uh, you keeping a budget here? No. Oh, so this is, I mean, we're totally dreaming. Oh, I mean, like. Oh, come at me, bro. I mean, it's it's bikes that I could like reasonably afford. I mean, I also have like a little segment saying that says bikes of note. And I'm looking at that collectively probably cost $200,000. And it's like five bikes. That's reasonable. I, I, I mean, I'm I was just at a Ferrari dealership. Like 200 grand buys you bubkiss of Nothing. And they're all dream cars. Yeah. Don't get me started about that. Uh, so my alternate was MV Augusta F3800. Ooh. Nice. For a track bike. For a track bike. Wow. You would be the most unique. I mean, not going to see a lot of them out there. No. Great bike. Yeah. Great bike. Love I'd take riding that over the bike. Daytona. Oh, yeah. All day. Especially with the 800 with the, little, with the longer strokes. You got a little bit more torque. It's yeah. not so peaky. 800, 750, that is kind of like the perfect track bike size. That's why the Jixxer 750 sells so well. Yeah. MV's done an amazing job if it's three-cylinder platform. It's pretty bulletproof now. I wouldn't say it's like foolproof bulletproof, but they got rid of like some of the more common. Like they had a lot of issues with their valves, and that, that's pretty much gone away. Um, I would want to wait. I feel like they're just one model year away from giving it like a really nice LCD TFT dash. Oh yeah, they've got to be there. So I'm once as soon as that happens, like I'm there. Like I'm I'm like sitting in the wings waiting for a <laughs> crashed one to come by. Do like, the right thing, MB. Just fucking do the right thing. I'm so surprised they haven't done that yet. I they've been concentrating on that on that uh, clutch system instead because that's important. Because that's important. Yeah, I I mean it's cool. It works really well. Yeah, on a dirt bike. No, it works really well on the street. Like, it works really well. I just, I've just never had an issue with a clutch. I guess, like, if I sat in traffic a lot and I, and I was lane splitting a lot, I could kind of, it, it makes sense in that kind of application. It's not bad if you had like a person two up with you, but it's just a solution looking for a problem. That's what it is. I think they were trying to be sort of proactive on this front. I just wonder if it's ever going to be like, oh, yeah, that was a thing that should have been done. And look, MV did it first. Yeah, I don't know. Like, do you see how every almost well, all the all the big expensive brands are now doing quick shift? That's a neat. To be fair, though, like that's the thing. MV already already has like one of the best quick shifter yeah. systems in the market, to my opinion. And, I mean, their their transmissions are butter smooth as far as I'm concerned. That three cylinder platform. Yeah. Yeah. Four cylinder is a little more agricultural, uh, but four cylinder is kind of archaic at this point. What they've got going on, truth, truth. Um, so I have in here moving on. Oh, oh, so track bike Kramer alternate MV. MV. Yeah. I like it. Moving on, and you're gonna sense like a pattern. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the end. I'm gonna see if you can pick out the pattern that's going on here. So then I have yeah. supermoto. Don't need a supermoto, and 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 in theory this could be like a street bike supermoto. But first up, Husqvarna S S. Woof. Husqvarna FS450. Just straight Ooh. track bike, race bike. Yep. I would go race it in our local series here. Go out to the track, have a hoot on it. But then I started like thinking about it a little bit more. And I come back to like just not having a lot of fun on a 450. Like a 450, even at the go-kart track, is like it's still a little bit of work. It's not as much fun on the street. Obviously, Husqvarna is an off uh, off-road only bike. Yep. So then I started thinking like KTM 690 SMR. Yeah. That's where Which I, would I feel go. like that would be a lot more fun on. You would still have fun on a go kart track, but you could still take it out to like ORP yep. and have a blast. And you could still go around town and have a blast. Yep. And if you weren't like wanting to go do like the sport bike thing that day with your riding buddies, you could still like go do the twisties and have a and have a hoot and a holler. Yep. Um, Two six nineties on your list so far. I know that, and that like that felt bad to me. So then I started. Suddenly, I was like, you know what? I really want at the end of the day. What is an Aprilia? 
SXV 550 and I put in parentheses that won't blow up. <laughs> well, it is a dreamless, so you can keep dreaming. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wanted that bike to work out so bad, and I see them <laughs> pop up on Craigslist, and I see them on like Cycle Trader, and I go, "Oh, I want that so bad." And they go, "No, Jensen, that, that bike's gonna blow up." Yeah, that's that's a it's a neat bike to have for if you ride it once a month, I guess, if and you hopefully not wrap the shit out of it and blow it up. If I was a certified Aprilia technician. That's Still the bike. I would, that's then I will. Yeah, I would know better. <laughs> I would know better. You would know way better than to buy that. But yeah, that would be the, like the catch for me. I'd have to like know how to like take the motor apart and rebuild it because that's probably all I'm going to be doing with it all the time. Yeah, yeah. That being said, we come back to this KTM, you know, 500 cc rumor thing. Yeah. Think that's about a 500 cc little supermoto oh with a twin. God. That would be Sign like the modern incarnation up. of the Aprilia SX. As bad as I am at wheeling, I'll learn. Oh yeah, oh, I'll, I'll learn on that thing. Yeah. It doesn't want to not wheelie. <laughs> he would be the patriarch of power wheelers. <laughs> um, then I was still, I'm like, still kind of like stuck on this like track thing. I'm like, oh, I got to get a super bike because I think I'm a super bike guy. I always want to have like a super bike in my garage. And I just go, if money, no object, I'm getting a Panigale. Panigale V4. V4. But if, it's, if I'm spending my own dollars. Money, no object though. Yeah. I mean, when I literally, uh, v, V4R. Huh? That's what it says right yeah. there. Oh, yeah. I haven't ridden it, but it's, I'm pretty sure it's going to be awesome. But I think if I'm actually spending my own money, RSV4RR. I agree. It's just, they're so freaking cheap. I know. And I mean, they're not, in my opinion, not as good as a Panigale V4, but it's really freaking close. And when it's like $12,000 cheaper, I mean, at the end of the day, I like a good deal. Now, are you buying the the Aprilia in that case because it's, sort of like the next bike on the list of sexiest super bikes like why not an r1 r1 does nothing for me i don't enjoy riding the r1 does it just feel like there's no soul to it there's no like you haven't you have yet to mention a a japanese mm -hmm. inline four mm -hmm. that's where i'm going with this yeah this I, is my I'm, epiphany at the end I, of the day i here. have a feeling that's going to be my epiphany as well um i mean the r1 i i wrote an r1 uh i've written a couple of them uh, I've run at Chuck Wallet and I've run at um, Kailami in South Africa. I didn't enjoy riding it. I thought it was a, a more difficult bike to ride. It wasn't very comfortable for me. I just didn't like it that much. The, the brand does nothing for me. The bike does nothing for me. Like there's just, I don't like the way it looks visually. I don't like what it makes me feel on the inside. You just feel icky. And and performance wise, like I I think the until the Panigale V4 came out, the RSV4 was the bike to beat, in my mind. That was that was the best bike. I've ridden all the bikes. That's the one. And now the Panigale V4 came out. I remember sitting in Valencia at the test. I was like, I think this is the best bike on the market. Yeah. If you don't look at the price tag, I think this is the best bike on the market. I don't think it's worth that much more than the Aprilia RSV4. It was interesting you say that because when, when I spoke with you, when you had come back, I asked you, because to me, you're a motor journalist, so you're going to nitpick on the things that are wrong with a vehicle. Yeah. And so I said, what was your least favorite things about the Panigale V4? It was the first thing I asked you. Kickstand. And you looked at me, you said, price and kickstand. Yeah. Like, holy shit, if those are your two biggest problems with a bike, yeah. that's a, in my eyes, that just like stepped it up. And they fixed the kickstand. And they fixed the kickstand because the one you had was a pre-production piece of shit. Yeah. Um, they didn't fix the price though. And that's the problem. Yep. <laughs> that's no, the, the price problem is going for me. up. <laughs> well, because like at some point you would kind of have to get into this like dollars per smiles kind of thing. 
and like where I enjoy the Ducati more and, and understand like bat riding the Aprilia RR versus the RF. Now, yep. now the RF is an 1100, so it's a little different, but back when I rode them, they were the same displacement. I would sit there and be like, no, I'm going to get the RR and probably just put wheels on it. Yep. I don't need the Olin suspension because it's not really like truthfully, like performance wise, it's not really any better than the, the sock suspension that was on there. And I just really want like the lighter wheels for the better turn in. Cause the, the worst thing about the RSV4 is it's, it's got a slow roll for, yeah. for, um, for turning for side to side movement. Yeah. Transitioning from apex to apex. So that's the only thing like I would try and fix on that bike. That's the only thing like that bike doesn't do well. And like some wheels help that out a lot. You can do some geometry things. At the end of the day, you're just kind of stuck with it as it is. You can lighten it up a little bit, but to save like ten thousand dollars, that's a lot of money. I mean, shoot, man, that buys a lot of tire. That buys me one of my my stupid supermoto that I want as well. It does. So, choices. My my biggest gripe with the Aprilia choice is that it's still a shitty dealer network. So if something breaks, and if it's, it's something stupid and menial, it's just you're you're out of a bike for a while. It's getting better, I will say. Like when I, I do think it's getting better, and I, and I see like empirical evidence that shows that it's getting better. Yeah, but it is still tough. Um, That's my only gripe, though. I mean, every time I've ridden one, I'm giggling. It's amazing. Now the V4, the Panigale V4, makes the RSV now feel a little bit slower. Uh, there's just the relentless constant tug from that v4 is is mind-boggling and now that it's on its fifth recall i think i've got all the bugs figured out hopefully (laughs) hopefully um the italians know how to make a beautiful bike that you know has some let's call it attitude character 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 is the marketing word you're looking for that's right character um so then like uh, now I want like an adventure bike. And I think this is actually something I need to put in my garage pretty soon because okay. it is something that in my actual real life garage is kind of missing. I, I'm, I'm going to drag you out to some BDR riding yeah. and some camping, some moto camping. I'm pretty keen season. to like do some proper adventure. Yeah. Fuck you off. I've done a bunch. It's a lot of fun and I think you will enjoy it. Yeah. So top of my list, uh, hopefully going to this press launch soon. KTM 790 Adventure R. I'm with I think you. That's, and I think that's the, the segment that I want. I think I want a middle way. I want something that can actually go off-road i want something that actually has a 21 inch front wheel yep. that'll actually go off-road it's gonna be a big dirt bike yeah okay maybe i'm not gonna go do the nar nar single track trail thing but i wouldn't want to do that anyways because if i fell over i'd probably get stuck under the bike and die oh it would suck um but that, something that can that's go by a winch something that's gonna go more than just gravel roads yep and, and that's where i kind of like I, i've got my little ore or a Ducati Multistrada 1200 Enduro or 1260 Enduro. I still hope that Ducati will build a 21-inch wheel version of that bike. That is... Because give it a smaller tank and just give it a 5.3 tank that you already have in stock and then just put the 21-inch wheel on there. Have a nice day. I think I think I agree to an extent, but I also think it would be a failure. You think so? And I get, and I get to it because I right next to the Ducati, I put it or KTM 1290 Venture R. And I put those there because the next bike I was going to get to was like the everyday bike. If I can only have one or the other, mm-hmm. then I'm going to start going in. That's when I'm going to start looking at like a 1200cc plus adventure bike. Yep. Because then that gives me the sport bikey, street bikey thing that I want yep. with still the off-road capability. It's like the one bike that does it all kind of thing. Yep. But if I've got the ability to kind of hone it in, I want something that's lighter. Um, I agree. But but that, my issue with the Ducati, like like what you were saying is, like the, the Enduro is a flop in terms of sales. And I don't know why because I actually rank it 
pretty highly as an off-road bike. I buy that before I buy a GS any yep. day of the week. I buy that before Super Tenere. I buy that. I think the Africa Twin's more off-road capable, but the Africa Twin off army or on-road is such a disappointment. Yeah, that, like that's what kind of kills it in my mind for well, me. Africa Twin's a off-road bike that is being touted as an adventure bike, and the Multistrad is an on-road bike that's being touted as an adventure bike. Yes. So they're 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 very they're coming from it from two very separate angles, and I love them both equally for very different reasons. And uh, I think that's why the the 1290 Adventure R from KTM makes a lot of sense because it can do the off-road thing yep. and it can do the on-road thing. And it's got gobs of power. Yeah. I mean, that... Oh. I just had to return the S model. I mean, like, like literally, I think if I could only buy one motorcycle, yep. only one, that's the bike. The R, though. The S. Oh, the S? Just because I the like... The cast wheels? Yeah, because it just because I like the on-road ability that it has. I'm never going to go take a big 500-pound Adventure bike into the gnarly stuff where a 21-inch wheel is really going to make the difference. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Everyone that argues for a 21-inch on one of those big bikes, I, I have put 16,500 miles on my Multistrada with a 19-inch front wheel on there, and I would bet at least 4,000 of those miles have been over like babyhead rocks and roots and you name it. I have yet to wonder, gosh, I wonder how much easier would this be on a 21-inch wheel? Because I don't have to give up on-road performance. And frankly, it is my only mode of transportation. So I want proper on-road on -road performance. And like you said, I, I, I don't think I'll ever take that thing down super gnarly single track stuff. I know people that do it. My hat's off to you. You're insane. I remember we did the Honda Africa Twin launch in Moab. And they took our group down a pretty, pretty challenging route. Right. And I remember like halfway through it, and, and the the Africa Twin did did awesome and it was great, but I remember going like, I would never go down this road, <laughs> just or I would never go do this route. I certainly wouldn't do it by myself. I don't know if I would go with like a buddy or two because like there's parts that were just like you know what like if I didn't have like a whole support crew with me yeah. right now, oh, it would suck. And and there was a lot of places where bad things could have happened. I was like, man, like that's a broken femur out in the middle of nowhere. That's oh, yeah. a broken like frame in the middle of nowhere. Even if you just sprain your ankle, if you, if you, if you just hurt yourself enough where you can't pick that thing up comfortably. Right. It's, it's, it's a, I think it's a terrible idea to go out and do it by yourself. And it's funny because uh, our friend Jonas and I, when we did our big ride, he dropped his bike and just the one and only like slick, muddy, you know, uh, uh, I would call like peanut butter type mud. He dropped his Multistrada and, you know, he hurt his ankle a little bit. So I helped him pick that bike up. But it took the two of us to comfortably, without hurting ourselves, pick this thing up. Like instead of, like, I know I can lift it. I know I'm a, I'm a strong guy and I can deadlift 400 plus pounds, but I wouldn't want to do that. That's that's just asking for a, a hurt back oh, sure. or sprain something. And then throw in like on a, a slippery terrain, yeah. an incline, yep. maybe there's trees involved. So he made a point yep. of saying, next time we do this, I'm buying a winch. And I, I kind of scratched my head at him. I thought he was kidding with me. No, there are motorcycle winches out there for these situations because so many people are now taking their large adventure bikes out into these super gnarly places. And that might be the next choice. Yeah. Is to install a little, tiny little winch on this thing. You look at Gerald Earl's uh, Alaskan Scrambler. Yeah. It's oh, got yeah. a winch on it. Yeah. And I think for that very reason, because if you really are in the middle of nowhere, like like Alaska, uh -huh. and you really do like, hey, I, I've been it, and not only did my bike like fall over, my my bike went down into the ravine or something like yeah. that. If you're really in the middle of nowhere, you're just walking out. Like, your yep. bike's done. <laughs> it's gone. You're Hit not that SOS button back. on your spot because yeah, you need help. <laughs> where are you going? Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> so, so you on the flip side. Yeah. It's, 
So you do you would you do kind of get into those kind of like situations where like oh yeah like a winch or or, or a support van or, yeah. or whatever it is like I'm just never going to be in that situation probably aren't you though outside of a, a press launch I mean you're going to go do a BDR with me next year you're going to be yeah but choice. we're not going to have a support truck with us we are the support truck that's what I'm saying <laughs> I ain't lifting up your heavy ass bike oh you will <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I kind of that's where I start like making that's why I was saying like you know it kind of depends like how many bikes I got in the garage because if it's just one. Yeah. I'm getting that KTM. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting that S with a 19 inch front wheel. And I bet there's a spoked uh, option for that. Wouldn't somewhere. even care. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it. No. Because again, like I'm not going to take a 550 pound bike down anything where that's really going to make the difference. But whereas on the street, it does make a difference to me. Yeah. And because it, I want it, that sporty, that sportier feel. Yeah. And I feel like the cast wheel is probably lighter. And I lifted the wheel off of my bike once. That thing is mighty. I lifted that wheel too. That. That is a heavy wheel. That's like car heavy. That's like legitimately like 30 pounds. <laughs> it is. It it's really is. Stupid. It was Especially with the, the Motaz tires I have on our, I think I have 50 pounds per I, wheel. I was going to say like 45, 50 pounds. <laughs> it felt like putting like one of those big plates. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so assuming I got the room in the garage, every day slash tour was the next segment I had. Okay. And it, pretty resoundingly KTM 1290 Super Duke GT. It's got bags. So I can do the luggage thing. I could ride two up comfortably. It's still a fucking sport bike with 150 yeah, plus horsepower. Sporty, yeah. I love the way those bikes ride. I got to ride one in Morocco. I got to ride one in, uh, shoot, where else did I get to ride one? I've ridden that bike a few times. Maybe it was around here. So ugly. Don't care. Oh God. Don't I can't care. get over its looks, man. It's so ugly that it's good. Oh, and it's, now they got the they got a good TFT dash on it. They yeah, got all do. the features. It's got all this cool Super Duke shit on it. That bike's rad. That I bike, guess when you're sitting on the seat, you don't have to look at the way the bike looks. If I didn't need to go off road, that's a bike that could do everything. You could do a track day on that bike. Yeah, you could go do touring on it. You could just do 500 mile days all long all day long. You could do sport riding on it. Two up. Yep. You could do the camping thing if you want. I bet you could do off road. I, I had a multi. The, I had a standard multi star twelve hundred. That thing went off road with me. You could do fire trail off road. Yeah, any bike can do fire road off road. Totally. But and you're not you, going to go like down like a, a double track or something like that. You're not uh, doing that. No. I mean, I've done it. I did it. It's a little scary because the seventeen inch front wheel wants to just not be happy with you when you're doing stuff like that. But you throw some TKC eighties on that thing and go have some fun. You could. That's the thing. You could. <laughs> when there's a will, there's a way. You could do it. You can drive your car if your feet chain. Doesn't make it a good idea. And you're talking to the guy that took a Panigale off road. Yeah. You can do it. Just not a great idea. It's not the best idea. But that's the beauty of being motorcyclists. We're all about kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. Some of us, not all of us. I did have like a little like caveat like BMW S one thousand XR. You bite your tongue, really? I all right, it's your list. It's your list. I'm done judging you. So here's the thing. It's on there, but I could I don't actually see a situation where that would actually happen. That bike to me is like a CBR 1000. It's got zero heart and soul. It is fast as fuck. I totally get it. But every time I've ridden one, I just get off see, of it and I have to like go take a shot. I don't buy into that whole like, oh, it doesn't have any soul thing. Like that's just something. That's like a lie that you tell yourself to feel better about You just it. said that about getting a Prilio or a Ducati versus an R1. The R1 makes you feel icky. I can't believe the S1000 XR No, I just doesn't. don't enjoy riding an R1. I actually enjoy riding an S1000 XR quite a bit. All right. I think it's a fun bike. I like I liked the way Another ugly four, one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love how it looks. Now it's a little dated. Like they need to refresh that thing. Yeah, and fact, they probably I'm not will. sure. If, I'm not sure if they did for 2019 or not. I, I should, actually, I wonder if it's going to stay around in their lineup because it's not a very successful model. It's not like one of the most successful, but it it 
fills a gap. It's their it's their response to the Multistrada. That's all it is. But the average BMW touring person doesn't even look at that bike. They want that. It's... They want that boxer motor. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's where um, BMW is bread and butter. Like you look at yeah. uh, models model sales by engine type. Like our bikes are something stupid. It's like forty percent or something like that. Wow. I, don't quote me on that number, but it's. It's about that. I, I would actually imagine it's even higher than I think that. It's, but, I think yeah. it's high 30s. I think it's like 38, 39. Wow. I did a story on it. I'd have to dig it up to, to find out, to refresh my mind. But I like how that, that bike, it's a little vibey. It's got a couple things that are wrong with it. Like they, I they, say, sort like, of, they sort of worked on that vibey thing. The first generation of it, if you got into the meat, not even the meat, like right there at that cruising speed of 75 or so miles an hour at six gear, it hurt. Yeah. It was such a high frequency vibration, your hands would fall asleep. It was ins- I've never experienced that on any other bike. Not it, like that. It makes you wonder, like, did you did you guys test ride this before you built it? Yes, the German's always so perfect. But like like I like did did anyone ride that motorcycle before you signed <laughs> off on yeah, it? Yeah, they rode it around the parking lot of the factory. They went twenty miles an hour. They're like, ah, that's good. Was that like the day that there was just so much traffic on the <laughs> auto? Why was that bike so much vibier than than its cousins and sisters? The S one thousand double R and the S one thousand R do not do that. Well, the the double R is a different engine. I mean, it's just. I mean, yeah, it's the same engine, but it's it's completely different in its in its power. It's yeah. you know, it's clip ons versus. But I think the bar. single R is pretty much the it's, same. It's isn't the it? same bike. It's the single R. It's the same chassis. It's the same motor. Which oh. and that bike had some vibration issues as well. It just didn't bother me the same way. I don't yeah. know why it didn't feel like it was as it was as violent. Yeah. Meh. Yeah, I could get into it again though. Like. If I could only have one bike, it's not the bike I'm picking. If I could have a multiple bikes, it's probably not the bike I'm picking. So but multi strata is not even on that list. The the standard the multi twelve hundred, or the, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Now it's a twelve sixty. Yeah. Not really. No. Oh, I mean, like I like the Pikes Peak version. Yeah, it's I've got a soft spot on that. So. Too stupid expensive. I just couldn't justify it. Twenty. Uh, last I checked, twenty. I think like twenty four five or something like that without bags. So you got to pay extra for the bags. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could put it in there as like an honorable mention, sure. Yeah, but it just am I gonna I'm gonna get a Super Duke before I get it, and I, this and this is where I come back to that problem machine where I look at Ducati's lineups. It's not that I don't like the Multistrada. If you told me, hey, Jensen, tomorrow I'm gonna go buy a Multistrada 1260, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, cool, right on, right, good, good idea. Yeah, you're always hyped about them, it's, it's, you know, absolutely. But it, you know, for for my dollars, it's probably not what I'm gonna. But buy. if somebody came up to you and said, hey, I'm looking at S1000 XR, Super Duke GT Multistrada. I mean, I, I don't think I would begrudge. At that point, I would say, like, whatever speaks to you, whatever you're enjoying more, like, that's the one you're going to get. And that's probably like the guiding light no matter what. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, steer someone away from it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. But, like, for me, like, yeah, I like riding the Multistrada. I'm just, it's just, like, a, just doesn't do it for me anymore. Have you ridden the 1260 since it came out? Mm-hmm. I, I felt like the upgrades were good. Everything's good. Uh, it, it actually... They went the right direction because when they had gone to that DVT motor in 2015, the bike had lost something because the pre-DVT bikes had, you know, they were like still super bikes. Right. And they were comfortable enough to go touring on, which I did plenty of. I, I put 20, almost 30,000 miles on one. Uh, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. But when the DVT bike came out in 15, I wrote it and it's like, oh man, Ducati, you guys made this into a touring bike. The first iteration of that DVT was, was rough. Oh, I, I... I, I gritted my teeth when I was like, oh, I don't like this. It hurt my feelings that I didn't like it. And then when I went from my <laughs> 2013 Pikes Peak to my 2017 Enduro, it's the same DVT motor. It's in that 2015 bike. And it took me, 
a good like month. Arun Sharma of Motocorsa was like, hey, how do you like your bike? I was like, I like it. I'm a little bit sad that I got rid of my Pikes Peak for it. Hmm. And it took me a minute to finally dial the bike in exactly how, you need, how it needs to be. Yeah. I think I think if I'm going to get a multi, I'm going to get the Enduro. Yeah. Just because I want a little bit more of that. It's to do it all. It's the true do it all. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I've thrown at that bike that it's not done. Yeah. It does it beautifully. I've gone 130 miles an hour on it, and I've gone over crazy gradient, rocky, steep stuff, and it just does it. I think what it is for me with the multi is, especially with the pegs, I have a real issue with the multi's pegs for some reason, because that bike has so much power and so much sporty to it, but you're not really going to get that hard on it because you start scraping hard oh, yeah, parts so mine. quickly. Oh, yeah. So at that point, I'm just like, well, so I'm not going to be able to go, like I'm truthfully probably going to go about seven tenths on it. How is that on the KTM? I never asked you. Which one? The Well, the 1290S that you had. The, the adventure. The biggest issue with the 1290S is the 19-inch front wheel. And I I mean, going from a 17 to a 19, it is a different front-end experience. It's a different amount of feedback. I don't like the way 19-inch wheels feel from the front. The only 19-inch... kind of floaty feeling when you're used to 17-inch Yeah, it's wheels. a little more vague. And the only yeah. bike I've ever been on that didn't have that was Indian's FTR 1200. Wow, really? Yeah. That's one of the things I really like that bike is it's a 19-inch front wheel, but it feels like a 17. They did a really good job Does that have an 18-inch in the rear? It has an 18 inch in Do the you rear. Think that's the reason because the offset's think, not so huge between the I front think and the back. That and the fact that the wheels are really narrow. Yeah, they are super narrow. Because it's, a, I believe it's a four and a quarter inch rear wheel. Wow. Because it's a 150, uh, 55, I believe, tire on the rear. <laughs> That'll be fun to do burnouts on. Yeah, I, I did do it. Actually, no, that's one of my favorite pictures of you. Yeah. I reposted it on the Brap Talk Instagram. <laughs> oh, that's right. You that's follow right, us. That's right. Brap Talk. Ooh, look at that plug. Look yeah. at you. Um, so that's that's my only thing with the KTM, but in terms of like leaning it over and, and riding aggressively, I think it does it a lot better. And that's why that's why on the Multistrada, I lean more towards the Enduro because like if I'm where you're going to ride seven tenths yeah. on the road, I might as well get the bike that's more off road capable, yep. and then I can ride, let's say seven tenths off road with the Enduro. Whereas on the the normal Multi, I'd be riding like what four tenths off road. Oh, even I'm if I'm making that. like weird fractions here, but I like it. You know like what I'm it. saying? I would ride 12 thirteenths of the time off road. Um, no, I think I think that when I worked at the Ducati dealership, I would say easily, you know, eight out of ten buyers were on road only, strict. Uh, but then that's why you buy the regular ones. Now, some people bought the Enduro because it had a larger fuel tank, and so they were in theory going to go on longer rides without having to fill it up more often, but. Who here I'm has ridden more than a hundred plus miles and not wanted to get the fuck off that bike? Right. I've done it. I, I I've I rode from LA to here in one shot in 14 hours, and I was basically stopping every 270 something miles to put gas in the bike. And I would you would just catch me at the gas station stretching, like my hands on the ground, trying to stretch my back out. It just hurts. It's after work. A while. And yeah. you don't want to ride the bike for like a week after. And that Multistrada is one of the most comfortable bikes. I have ridden almost every touring bike out there, and I think this is one of the most comfortable bikes I've ever owned. And I still want to get the hell off the thing. Uh I agree. So what's your next pick? Last one. Oh. Dirt bike. I I don't know how I don't own a dirt bike. I mean you quasi you have a quasi dirt bike. So I have dirt wheels for my supermoto, and it's horrible. Yeah, I've heard it's you horrible. It's there's nothing good about it. it. The only thing that's good is it gets me out there with my buddies. Yep. But I'm not having a, that great of a time. <laughs> it's always a decent time, but yeah. I <laughs> well, understand you. that it's got like 
It's got race suspension, race street suspension <laughs> off road. It's You're just not going to be You're good. You're getting super beat up out there. And I can't get out of the saddle because I can't raise the bars up. Oh, really? That, that's a big thing for me. I have such a long torso that, and I'm, I'm just a tall guy, yeah. that it makes the ergonomics of dirt bikes really tough. Like I need to have, you know, we, we actually were just over at your house the other day putting yep. risers on your bike. Yep. I have to have risers on a dirt bike. Um, yep. and, and, and so the bike I have down is a CRF 450L. Or X, depending if I want like a dual sport mm. or just an enduro trail only bike. Right. I don't really know. I didn't. I couldn't really find a landing place on that. But I remember doing that launch with the L, and it was like it was a little frustrating because the, the ergonomics on that bike. It's really hard for me to get out of the saddle. Really, even like, on that bike, I on almost, the L. I was almost like, man, I wish I'd brought like just risers with me because <laughs> I would just be enjoying it so much more. And I ended up just like wrecking my back during that ride because it was just. It's just not a comfortable position for me. That would be a kind of a neat... I wonder if any manufacturer will ever do this. You buy a dirt bike and it comes with a set of risers and you have to pick which one you want because Ducati does that with their totally different style of bike. But on the X Diavel, you have three different positions where your foot pegs can be posted. There's no extra parts needed for it. But basically, as the buyer, you go in and go, hey, I've got a 34-inch inseam. And so the dealership can adjust that for you and it takes no time. You know, I'm really glad you said that because I had the exact same thought uh, this week, so I just I just got a bunch of ski gear, okay? Because I like to. I've always been a skier my entire life. But I've never had ski gear, and I finally like made the plunge. You're just finding new exciting ways to fuck with gravity, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, like basically, I, I just. <laughs> I know I talk about motorcycles a lot, but it's not the only thing that goes on in my life. I like really? I like skiing, I like rafting, I like sailing, I like rock climbing. Like I got a lot of the other outdoorsy things going on. So I made this like investment to like make skiing a bigger thing since I live in Portland, and you know we have a mountain right next to us. So I got to go do like the whole ski buying experience. And one of the things that was really interesting to me is like when you buy ski boots, there's like a whole process you can go through yep. in molding the boot to your foot. And they've wow. got the okay. liner that they can mold and they can heat it up and then they can actually heat up the boot itself. And there's like a whole kind of thing where like you go and you buy the boot and you try on a bunch of different boots and then they mold. You find the one that's like closest to like the fit that you want and then they kind of customize it to make it just right. And I was like, what an interesting thing that we don't have something like that in the motorcycle industry. Yeah. I've always because thought about that. So many motorcyclists are different shapes and sizes, and we're sitting there going like one clip on to rule them all. One rear set. Yeah, for you. and I'm 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 almost ready to hear some thought from the listeners of well, that's why there's an aftermarket scene. And there is. There's a huge aftermarket scene in the motorcycling world. Oh, finish their time. Oh, Sorry, okay. I, was, I was waving. I don't know why I was I was well, wagging I my know, finger. I, I don't know why. Um, I got so, excited. I'm a little so there's a huge me. aftermarket scene in the motorcycling world, and it's like we've accepted the fact that we buy these bikes as clean slates and then we go to our favorite parts counter and then just dismantle it and put it back together the way it's supposed to fit us, right? And so while I feel like that's cool for those other people that are making a business out of it, why? Why isn't the idea of getting bar risers and different foot pack positionings on a motorcycle a thing? So I'll tie it back, I'll tie it back into a bigger issue for you. Go back to last show where we're talking about the dealerships. Yep. What's your role as a dealership? What's your value at it? Yeah. You're sitting there trying to be like, okay, how do I compete with Amazon? How do I compete with mm-hmm. you know Revzilla or whoever it is? What's the value add that a dealer can have? I don't understand why motorcycles don't come from the manufacturer. Like you said, like with the X Diavel with right. different foot peg positions or different handlebars. Why doesn't it come with you know three options or six options or ten options or whatever? And part of the motorcycle buying experience that the dealer provides as a value added and it's included in the price is like, hey, we're going to get your bike set up for your for your body. Huh, you know, exactly. like maybe you need a longer bar. Maybe you need a shorter bar. Maybe you want your rear sets readjusted. Maybe you want higher rear sets or lower rear sets or whatever that is. 
Why don't the bikes come with that as an option? And that's part of why you have to go to the dealership to get it is because they're going to set it up for you ergonomically. Now, I don't I, understand why we just like one size fits all nonsense. I, I, I feel like it's it's interesting because as a buyer, that starts to feel like an upsell. And it is, but... But you don't... I don't think you have to make an upsell. I think that can be something that's included in the price where it's like... I agree. Like, it doesn't cost them any more to like have a taller bar than a lower bar. It's just a different bar. It's a yep. different skew. Yep. So if it's just an option and, and you make it... And if you're smart about it, there's like a common parts bin to it. So it's just like, yeah, the dealer just keeps in stock the three different handlebar options and you know when the low bars run out you order another one because it fits yeah. seven bikes you know meanwhile if you're lucky you'll have a dealership that has a parts person that is knowledgeable about that stuff and will talk to you about it but it'll ultimately for time being be an upsell it'll be a thing that's going to cost you extra money and extra time because you have to sit there and set it but i think when you buy a motorcycle it, in my mind, because I've been in it for so long, it's unacceptable that, you know, whether you're spending 10 grand or 40 grand on a bike, it comes as it is. And anything that you want to do to make it fit your body, because we're not all built the same, is going to cost you extra money. I think, especially for the brands that are actually selling themselves on brand and dealership experience and like community or whatever that, that X factor is, it's such a no-brainer. Yeah. It's such a no-brainer. I agree. And that can be, that's a differentiator in, in the marketplace. We're like, well, our bike's more bespoke to you. Yeah. You know, we customized and tailored it to you. This is this is Shaheen's bike now. This isn't just another multi-strata. This is Shaheen's multi-strata because we, we made it fit you perfectly. And see, what will happen is if they have all those extra park bins still, when I sell my multi-strata and somebody else buys it and they're built different from me, they should just be able to go back over there and go, hey, what do you have to make this thing fit me? And it shouldn't be that difficult to do. Yeah. Then it can be an upsell. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I think that's a great idea. Uh, I'm on board. So, like so that's my garage. I like your garage. The thing I thought that was really interesting, and I marked this like on my little pad here, no Kawasaki's, nope. no Suzuki's, nope. no Yamaha's, nope. no Triumph's, no Moto Guzzi's, and basically no BMW's. Also, the thing that I found interesting in this was you picked all new bikes. Well, that was that was like my thought process was just new bikes. What's out there th that I would buy new? So nothing that was like old school in your in your dream. I, see, that's the thing. Like, up you years. go down that rabbit hole, and we're gonna have a list I of like know. twenty bikes. Like that's a fun rabbit hole. Oh man, I think that's like a different show in a way. Uh, I did have like bikes that we'll do a throwback show. Yeah, I did have bikes that weren't quite. They didn't quite fit the list, but there were bikes like that I think that are like kind of cool. Like I guess they're more collectors. Like this is what I would want in my collection. Yep. And I'll just. I'll just Get through it really quick. Cowie Ninja H2R. Ooh, there you go. Kawasaki. Yeah, there's my Cowie. Nice. Because that Supercharger. Yeah. 300 I'm, horsepower. 100% on board Looks on that like bike. a fucking Batman it's turned such into a... a cool looking bike. Yeah. Envy Augusta Brutale 1000. That bike is sexy. That bike is sexy. I have a soft spot for Street Fighters. And that... I do too. That bike speaks to me in a lot of different yep. ways. Yamaha Niken? Niken? Wait, that's on your list? I just, I just got to try it out. I, I want to do so many stupid things. I want to put slicks on it and go to the racetrack. I've, I want to put TKC 80s on it and go off road with it. I want to just go do all the silly things in the world just to, just to be that guy. Okay, listeners, if you're listening, there's your chance to create a cool YouTube channel. One of you is going to go buy one of these things and is going to do all these things with it. I, I think it's just I'm just so intrigued. I would I would want it for like a year. I know you can't see my face. When you're listening to this, but my jaw hit the floor when he said that. Yeah. No, because it's it's just such a bad idea. Wow. This this is going to blow your mind even more. You ready for this? You're not even... Put your drink down because I'm going to spit on my let couch. Just, I'm going to probably spit it out. Yeah. 
Harley Davidson custom. Who are you? Wait, which one? The the concept that they showed earlier this year, they literally just call it custom. The oh, custom. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. For some reason, I'm like, that's a good looking bike. At the, Again, I probably only want it for like a year. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, you know what you didn't have on your list was any cruisers. Yeah, fuck cruisers. Yeah, you're not a fan at all? Uh, I mean, this is it. This is as close. We're like, if okay. I had to buy a cruiser. Actually, you like the one that Royal I would Enfield. Buy. I like that Royal Enfield. That's not real yet. Uh, okay. I try to keep it to it's like a dream list, things Jensen. that were kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I would rock that thing. I think yeah. that bike looks good. I don't know how much fun either of those machines would be. I don't know if I would actually enjoy riding them. It's a different level of fun. I think the word fun at that stage becomes a hold. You're not going fast. It's fun <sighs> as in like yeah. you get to make a lot of noise. You have a specific look and a style and people look at you, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I would, I would try it. <laughs> you know, it'd be like weird Thai food. Like, oh, I'll try it. I'll try that. I'm not saying I'm gonna order it every time. This. Yeah, but I'll try it. <laughs> and then, and then I just kind of have in here like Honda Super Cub slash Monkey slash Grom. Where like I really, really, really want to ride that monkey. I realize I will look like an idiot on it, but I don't care. I mean, you can't look any worse than Lemmy did. Nope. <laughs> So, I, so you 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 posted the picture of the two of us on the ridge, you on that Honda CB one thousand R, and yes. me on the little Husky four hundred one Vitpolin, um, and one of our listeners put up the picture of the song I was singing the whole time I was on it, which is "Fat Guy in a Little Coat." Yeah, yeah. Fat Guy in a Little Coat. So yeah. I appreciate you putting that on there. If you're listening, that was awesome. It made me laugh out loud. And, and that is exactly what it would look like with you on the monkey. And, and it's pretty close to what I look like on a monkey. It's so cool, though. <laughs> it's just like a fun, like, I think the Super Cub is the sweet spot for me, where it's just like, just a quick, like, gotta go get the groceries, run a quick errand, slash pick bike, <laughs> slash, you know, I got a friend that's thinking about riding a motorcycle, learning how to ride a motorcycle. I got a bike for you. Let's throw away. We're going we're gonna to take my Super Cub. We're going to go to an abandoned parking lot. I'm going to teach you how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> that's what that bike is for me. I think and that's like, just. You can get a little hurt on it, but you probably won't. Not die. really. <laughs> Especially, well, the Super Cub doesn't have a clutch. It's yeah. an, well, it's an auto clutch. Yep. So, like, that's the perfect learner. You know, like, and I could still, like, I could have, like, a. I could have my, my cat underneath my arm and then groceries still in one hand yeah. and your left hand and then you're just getting home. I mean, the grocery store is just walking distance from your place, but you should go a little farther on that bike. If I had to go to like Trader Joe's. I would love to see you roll up to my house on that thing. My wife wouldn't know what to say to you. She's so she's used to hearing a rumble of your Street Fighter typically. Yeah. She knows when you're at our house. So if you rolled up in that little thing, I would I would be so happy. Yeah. So that's my list in your hand. What do you got? What are your thoughts, criticisms? Um, what, what, what would you add no to this criticisms. list? No criticisms. Where would I you did, go? I did understand that you didn't pick a single Japanese bike, and I sort of get it, I think. There's just not, like, I looked. Yeah. I looked, and I was like, there's literally nothing I would buy. Like, new Suzuki intrigues me. New Katana. I don't like cool. the bike that they based it off of. The GSX-S 1000 right. is not one of my favorite bikes in the lineup. They did kind of rebranded nicely, though. They, so, like, I'd be curious to see what the Katana's all about. But again, I try to keep the bikes that are that are here in reality. Do you think these will be a can of tunas? I think, I think, truthfully, I think that bike is true to the original. Yeah. Where it was a detuned yep. Gixxer that was made for the street that's still kind of like a sport bike. And I think that's, that's true to a T. Everything that they've done with it is true to a T. It's a thing. It's a true Katana. I like the the retro mod thing that they're doing. I think it could be fun. There's things about the GSXS I really didn't like, which was primarily the seating position. And it was a little vibey. It was a little raw. Yeah. If, if they can give it a little bit better manners, kind of get out some of those those vibes, get the seating position right, 
they could do they could they could do well with that bike and then price it aggressively yeah that's they could do really well but is it a bike i'm going to go buy with my money no because yeah. i would rather have you know at that point we're talking street fighter v4 we're talking that's like, what i'm saving my money for i mean there's there's so many like kind of naked style bikes that i would rather have yeah but like if someone said again it's like if someone said like hey jensen i'm thinking about getting a katana i'd be like oh yeah okay get it yeah that'd be cool especially if you don't want to spend like you know 15k on something yeah yeah, I, right am, on. I was impressed that your list at least had two inline fours in it. You had the S1000XR, and then you had just a quick like Kawasaki H2R. I think that was the only supercharger. Two. Yeah, yeah. All about that supercharger. Yeah. I love the fact that. that and you, you did actually say uh, MV Gusta 1000, mm-hmm. the Brutale 1000. So a couple of a couple of fours. So, so I know you didn't like sit down and make a list like I did. Right. But what would you put in yours? Give me your thoughts. So, I, you know, much like you, my garage already has a couple of things I would want in it. Yeah. Uh, that's the beauty of motorcycling. Some of us, not everyone, but I think most everyone that buys a motorcycle, we're trying to make a statement, right? We're trying to say, this is who I am. This is the extension of my being and my attitude, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I, I have grown to love long distance riding and not just on the tarmac. That gets boring after a while, but I've done a fair share of that. So... You know, the bike that I want is a bike that does everything, which is daily commuting, long distance riding, a bit of dirt here and there, uh, you know, the ability to be comfortable enough to go super long distances, but at the same time, you know, easy enough to throw around in our local curvy roads, which is why I ended up with my Multistrada 1200 Enduro. There are other bikes in that category that that could do that just as well, if not better. Um, Mind you, I worked at the Ducati dealership at the time, so it was the for me, in that showroom, that was my favorite bike. Um, so that's already there. I don't know if I have a runner-up for that. I think the runner-up for that would be almost the same as you, but it would probably be like the 1290R. Um, I feel okay. like I would want something slightly more aggressive uh, that still has the power. I have never ridden that bike. I would love to ride it, and I want to see what that 21-inch wheel, wheel feels like because for the price difference, that's a lot of bike. Um that Multistrada costs all of twenty four grand. It's a little under that, but by the time you buy it and buy the extra stuff on yeah, there, I get all the things. You're, you're, yeah, you over, you're way over that. But by the time you pay dealer freight and you know prep what fees, a bike you're going to destroy off road. Oh man, I, I mean that's and the hard part. That's the cool thing with my bike. Whenever I take a photograph of it, or you've taken a photograph of it, it photographs beautifully. And but that's just the way I've done it, and I think it looks really good. But if you walk up to that thing, I beat the shit out of that thing. I ride it. And I ride it all the time. It's sitting outside dirty. Well, actually, it's in your garage, but it's pretty dirty right now. But it gets ridden all the time. And in the Pacific Northwest, we have rain for half the year. So, like, what am I going to do? Clean it every day? Uh, The chain's clean. (laughs) So, that would be that bike for the do-it-all. Yeah, I think the runner-up would probably be the 1290R, pending me riding it, but I've never ridden it. Um, For a track bike? Ooh. I think for a track bike... Depends on what the budget is, but I feel like a track bike should never cost you more than twenty grand. A track bike should never cost you more than you're willing to yeah, pay after you crash. Exactly, it. and that's you know depending on where you are. So I think you know for most people, a track bike you know is probably going to end up costing somewhere around seven or eight thousand dollars. You're going to buy an old R6 or an old Gixxer, and or in my case, an old nine nine nine. I like that about it. I I'm I'm not nearly fast enough to be able to push a bike to that crazy limit. I am a A group rider, but I'm like on the slower side of the A group rider. Um, so to kind of give you an idea on PIR, if you're a really fast rider, you're doing what, a minute eight? Minute, I mean, Andrew Debrino did a minute five on a on a 
crazy proper bike that was set up for him and he's an unbelievably talented rider i do a consistent minute 19 at pir so think of that difference and i'm still in group a um so for me almost any sport bike will blow my mind but if it was my pick uh for my size i would probably have a leader bike um which one a ducati and i love the one i have so i'll probably stick with my 999 but if money was not an issue uh, i would probably buy a 959 corsa i wouldn't have to be a corsa because i don't necessarily need the oil really? it's just the 959 huh. I, I like the twin still i would change the wheels on it go to something lighter but i think power wise it's pretty much something the same power golder. as my 999 is right now what's that something golder something golder my bike doesn't have gold wheels on it. I can't believe I'm going to say this to you, but my 999 has black wheels on it. I'm going to change that this winter because the bike's going to get a new paint job and it's going to have gold wheels. Um, but yeah, I think a 959. I would love the 959. Every time I've ridden it, I've, it's brought me a lot of joy. I think it's such a well-balanced little bike and it kind of does everything for someone of my skill level. Uh, I can see with someone like you, you'd want something that's more fine-tuned, hence the Kramer. I think if I'm going to do a leader bike, I'm going to do a leader bike. Oh, like a like a inline, like like I'm gonna do a super bike, yeah. a super bike leader bike. If I'm gonna do like the smaller displacement thing, I'm gonna do the smaller displacement thing. Like, yeah, I like, guess you're right. I I I don't. You know, it's funny. I don't love inline fours. They don't make me excited. I know they're super fast. Anytime I've ridden, say, like an S1000 double R, I'm screaming in my helmet about how fast this thing is. It's unbelievable how much it pulls, but it doesn't make me go, "Ooh, I want that." And so if you go to a twin, a leader bike's not really a leader bike anymore. You're you're going to a larger format motor. That's where the V4 comes in. I think I would love an Aprilia V4. But now that the Ducati V4 is out there and it's, you know, the non-cheater version, which is the leader version on the R, if I had that kind of money, all day. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Just without a doubt. Yeah. Um, and I my my hat's off to the people that go to the Motocorsa track days with their Panigale, you know, uh, 1299 R's or the, well, actually, no, they're 1199 R's. Panigale R. Yeah. Panigale R. Well, they, they numbered them initially. Mm -hmm. Weren't they like 2015? I think they were numbered and then they went to the R. It's Either way. So I would, I would do a Panigale R and, and watching those guys out there, just throwing them around like crazy. Awesome. Good for you. You've got the kind of money that you're comfortable doing that in. Awesome. Um, so that would be for me. I'm, I love that Ducati. I think that's amazing, and it does everything that I want. Again, at my level, I th I've talked to people that are faster riders, that are proper, you know, almost racers, and they just shake their head like, "No, that's a piece of shit. You don't want that out there." It's 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 it doesn't handle that well. It's super nervous. It's uh, you know, it's it doesn't do a lot of things right. So that would be that for me. Um, dirt bike. <laughs> I bought the bike that I love the most because yeah. I'm super new at dirt biking. Uh, this is my first season on a dirt bike. And so I bought an Alta. I did not know when I bought the Alta that the company would <laughs> be gone. Um, I do wish they would come back, not because of my ownership of it. But when I wrote that thing, it was just, it was the first time in a long time that I got on a motorcycle and I rode it and I just giggled the whole time I rode it. It just made me so happy. So I bought one. Uh, I figured if I'm going to go dirt biking, get the simple thing that I don't have to worry about using a clutch and just go out there and have a good time. It's a bit of a cheater bike. You know, like you say, it's a cheater bike, and I've heard that from other people before. But it's one of those things where it's like, so are you supposed to intentionally ride the more difficult machine? No, it's funny. I think motorcycling has always had that mantra. A lot of people. I mean, I remember back in the day when I first started riding. It's like, 
uh, you know, you don't need no ABS. Uh, you don't need this and that. So, yeah, I think as, as motorcycling uh, progresses, things become better and easier to ride. And so there's people that have been doing it in the past without those aids that just shake their head at you. And it's motorcycling is the only industry that that happens in, by the way. I've never seen it anywhere right. else. I've never seen somebody shake their head at you for having electronic fuel injection in your car. I was going to say, like, like, <laughs> like, are people... Is it cheating that I have fuel injection so I don't have to like clean my carb and change my jetting and do all these things? Like, oh man, the the rainstorm came in and we've got like three more bars of pressure, so right. I got to put my main jet, you know, a little bit more lean so I can do the thing. And like, <laughs> I think the only cheating on the Alta is really the fact that it doesn't have a clutch. That's really it. It's a single speed, clutchless. And for someone like me who had no idea what he was doing on dirt, it was like, oh yeah, man, this is what a great way of getting into this thing. Now it's got a ton of power, and I and I'm so grateful that they programmed it to be smooth and you know, progressive. Um, but I've never ridden another dirt bike. I've never ridden a two stroke or a four stroke or any mm. of that stuff. Um, and that's something that I would love to kind of learn a little bit more about. But now that I have the Alta, I, I don't see me going into a different bike, which is kind of why I hope somebody picks up the reins where it got dropped uh, and, you know, does more of more bikes like the Alta. But uh, I, I feel like I have at least two, three years with that bike before it goes anywhere. Yeah, I I wouldn't fault you for that. I, I I really like the Altas off road. I really think the electric makes a lot of sense from from a power change perspective. It's still kind of tough from an energy density point of view. Um, what I do could, you mean? I, I mean, I could just think of a couple of rides that I've been on where like you just you couldn't have done it on electric. You just did oh, not yeah, have enough out battery. Of, yeah, yeah. It was just too long of a day. Right. We were too out in the middle of nowhere. Not an option. Um, that's actually funny uh, you say that because that's where the Alta, again, fits me really well because I am not in that sort of long-distance enduro, you know, single-track riding shape. I fall apart after, like, two, three hours of riding. So by the time I get back to the van, which, you know, is ultimately like a 30-mile ride on a single track, I'm worn out. And the bike still has a half of a <laughs> battery left. So I'm okay for now. I, now, when I get to the point that I can go longer and do, you know, uh, bigger things, I think that's the RF450L. I think that bike's gorgeous. I think that bike, it looks like it hits all the marks of what I want on a dirt bike. So I would imagine that would be, uh, you know, that style bike would be the next one for me. Who knows what's going to be out in three years? Yeah, I think I think it really comes down to what we want. Because, like, for me at the end of the day, like, the one of the things that really attracted me to the, the Honda than, say, like a KTM or one of the other brands uh, one was just how how well mannered it was off road, and I, like for, especially looking at like a dual sport, right? Where it's like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna have to do some street duty. I know what it's like riding a high strung 450 on the road, and it's not fun. And that was one of the things I really enjoyed about the CR 450L was like, yeah. it doesn't feel like I'm just revving the snot out of it to keep it in the power and all that stuff. I like that it had like kind of a a maturity to it, let's say. <laughs> but I'm not out there looking for the most high performance dirt bike where like the value for me is oh that, that bike at a moment's notice is ready to go and i don't have to like I'm like well did i change the oil today like right. did, did i change the oil 10 times this week or not because i think i only changed it nine times so that maybe means i can't go out again or yeah or just having that like oh i'm always constantly tinkering i always got to be constantly doing some sort of maintenance item i want a bike that i can take off road you know, ride hard and put away wet and not really have to worry no. too much about Because at the end of the day, I'm a shitty mechanic. I know what kind of mechanic no, I we're, am. No, we're bad mechanics and we're working a lot, so we don't have time for all that other stuff. And I, I feel like at one point in my life when I, was, when I was in my, you know, early 20s, time seemed to be something that I had plenty of. And so the idea of spending that spare time that I had in the garage working, tinkering with my car or motorcycle, 
that was a welcome thought. I loved it. I would, I would detail my stuff all the time. But now it's like, man, I'm working all the time. I'd like to give a lot of attention to my household and my wife. And then when I have time to go ride, I just want to turn this damn thing on and go do the thing. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to worry about it, which is why I'm not a huge fan of, for myself, classic bikes. Because I'm not a collector. I don't want to stare at the thing. I want to ride it all the time. I don't mind uh, a track bike that's high maintenance. Like I, like my Husky is literally like the bike I, I complain yeah. about all the time. But I go and I ride it like ten times a year. I'm going out to the track. I really don't ride it on the street anymore. Um, but would you want a high maintenance race bike? See, I, that I don't mind as much. I, I have a high maintenance race bike. Hmm. It's not that high maintenance, yeah. but but it is in the sense of like. It's going to be because I don't mind so much. We're like, okay, I got to go do a race weekend. So that means Friday. Well, Friday, I'm probably doing a track day. So that means Thursday. I'm sitting down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend my evening. I'm going to go every little part. I'm going to change the oil. I'm going to put new tires on. I'm going to do the thing to get ready for that weekend I've got ahead of yeah. me. That I don't mind so much. What I have an issue with on, like, say, a dirt bike, where it's like, hey, a buddy just called. Hey, we're going out to the dirt. We're going to go ride. It's yeah. perfect out there. And I'm <laughs> like, make sure the carbs are okay. Yeah. And I'm sitting going, like, oh, did I. I have to change. I have to check my valves every hundred miles. Have I done that yet? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's been like 150 miles. Oh no, that's way too much. No, yeah, guys, I can't go out because I got to do like these five things that the book says I'm supposed to do, and I can't. And I wonder if it's really like that. I'm, I'm, I'm so. You know, honestly, the reason I got into dirt biking was wasn't because I was so interested in dirt biking. It's because I'm interested in doing more dirt oriented stuff on my big uh, adventure bike, and I wanted to get better at it. And I wanted to go out there and try it on something that didn't cost $25,000. So the idea of buying the Alta, and it's such a simple bike that I've hooked it three times now. And every time I hooked it, it's like, no, I don't have to worry about the bike. It's fine. Nothing's going to break on it. It's so simple. There's so little to it. Um, And also it weighs nothing. So every time I drop it, I just pick it right up and giggle about how light it is. But I got into dirt biking to learn how to handle a machine that's slipping and sliding underneath me all the time and to get comfortable with the idea of letting it dance underneath me. I am more comfortable riding my Multistrada off-road than I am that Alta because I'm so used to that big heavy thing that I feel right at home about it. But that's where we got into me changing my bar risers and stuff like that so I can actually fit the bike better. So my goal this winter is to ride as much dirt as possible so that when the season comes in, I can go out there and hit some of those BDRs that I've been wanting to do and feel even more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really honestly why I got into dirt. I know a lot of people that are super into it and it's amazing to see how unbelievably good they are at it i'm not that person i don't i'll probably become that person i'm I'm pretty comfortable riding a motorcycle but for time being it's like all right i just want to concentrate on getting better at this dirt bike thing and it's an interesting club to get into because nothing i've always said this about super bikes there's nothing like a super bike or a dirt bike to remind you how fucking fat and out of shape you are (laughs) (laughs) every time i like my every time i do my first track day on my 999 i just come back panting Every time I go out on the dirt bike, the last couple of times I've gone, it's like, oh, God, everything hurts. I mean, I played rugby and I wasn't in that kind of pain. So it's it's impressive. And I feel like I have to kind of graduate from the point where it doesn't hurt anymore and I can concentrate on becoming a better rider. And so it's an interesting juggling act that I'm doing in my head. It's like, all right, I don't want to get fatigued, but also, holy shit, this bike's slipping and sliding underneath me, so I got to get this together. Um, so I love it. I don't know enough about dirt bikes, but... Back to my list. I have the Alta because I wanted the Alta, and that's the bike I would buy. I don't know if I still would because now they're not in business anymore, but that CRF450L, having seen it, it made me salivate. So I think that would definitely be on my list. Um, Much like you, I'm a huge fan of naked, just street fighter type bikes. I think they're amazing. 
uh, back in the day, I remember like in the nineties, I would go through European motorcycle magazines and you see what these German guys were doing with some crazy looking, you know, fat front tire, fat rear tire, street fighter looking things. I love the comical look of those things. I would never really own one, but the first time I saw a uh, Ducati Monster in the 90s, I just fell apart. I thought it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And then when they came out with the Street Fighter, it was like, there it is. That's the thing. That's the one. That's the one I want. Um, so if and when Ducati comes out with a V4 Street Fighter, you will probably see one in my garage. Hmm. That's, that is on my list, but it doesn't exist right now. So I'm with you. I think the uh, MV Augusta Brutale, um, that new one, that, uh, what is it called? The, the, well, it's a Brutale 1000 Siri Oro. The Siri Oro, that one. Again, if money wasn't an object, that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It just, it just checks every little want that I want. They nailed it. They, they nailed t- it. Oh my bike. God. I mean, if it had gold wheels on it, can you imagine? I'm curious to see how it is. Because it's basically the F4 superbike engine. Right. And I'm curious to see if that is going to have manners for the street. Yeah, I wonder about that. I I think that bike was sort of done as a... They're just showing off. So I don't I don't think it mattered too much to them what, you know, what, no, the, for sure. what the motor's behavior is going to be like. For sure. But it's one of those things... I, I mean, I think they're going for the headline where it's like, oh, it's got like 200 horsepower. Yeah, it's the yeah. most powerful naked bike. And I get that part, but understand that like it would probably be the better it'd be a better bike it'd be a better street fighter if it was yeah i don't know 175 horsepower you need a mid-range punch you know yeah have it have that power be you know more in the mid-range of the revs than than all the way up at the top of it which is which is typically why you see street fighter type bikes have you know 50 less horsepower than their super bike comparison or uh comparable right because they're just shifting the power band you know into the middle of the the rev range. I think one of the most potent street fighter-ish bikes that I've ever seen and ridden is one of my least also, least favorite as well. It's the BMW S1000R. It's, yeah, it's exactly the reaction I have from it. Now, having ridden it, it's it's got balls. It's amazing. It's a good bike. It's it does, an awesome bike. Another bike that does nothing for me. Emotionally, it does though. zero for me. And I'm sure there's plenty of listeners that, that love them and like them. And they're going to go, oh, but what about that bike? So I wanted to mention it. I think it's an awesome bike. Uh, but... I would rather ride that CB1000R. I'd rather be seen on that than on that S1000R. Yeah, I can see that. And it's way less power, and it's not quite as potent, and it's not quite as you know uh, well put together, I don't think. But um, I wish I loved the Tuono V4 because it's such a cool bike, but I think it's just fugly. And one of our dearest friends has one, and I admire the hell out of it from afar, but I don't think I'd ever spend my money on it. But I don't feel that way about the RSV4. And if we're just going to buy a super bike here, I agree with you. I would go for an RSV4 RF, I think. I'm the same way. I, I like the Tuono. If someone says, hey, I'm buying a Tuono, I'd be like, yeah, you're going to have fun on that thing. Yeah. Enjoy. But for some reason, that Tuono just doesn't speak to me very well. Like, I would take a super The original Tuono. Tuono did. The the old school Tuono. The, the B-Twin. Oh, dude, that's such a hard on for that. But I love that bike. I think I would I'm the own same one right now. That one. I think I still like the RSV, the RSV that that was coming out without the melee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that's the same thing. That's that's one of those bikes. It's funny because if Ducati built a V4 Street Fighter, I would like that more than the Panigale because I'm a fat, out of shape dude, and I'd be more comfortable going fast on that bike. But in the Aprilia world, I'm the exact opposite. I would rather have the melee slash RSV4 RR RF over a Tuona. Yeah. But that said, I like the twin Tuono, the first generation. I think second, second generation wasn't very pretty. The first generation Tuono was super cool to me. I remember riding that thing and 
even I who can't do a wheelie worth of shit did a wheelie on it. And I came back and I'm like, this is the most creative way of getting a speeding ticket I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, it was just such a hooligan right off the bat. It was one of the first bikes I rode that made me think that way until years later when the Street Fighter Ducati came out. And I was like, nope, this is the one. That's the bike. And that's Ducati's like sense of humor bike as far as I'm concerned. Like, here's this bike that can't really handle the power. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I felt like that. And here's an honorable mention that we totally looked over. Hyper Mozart. Yeah. I feel like that, I mean, one of the most fun bikes I've ever ridden. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to go riding to go riding the, the 950 version. Yeah. But I feel like that's a bike where, like, if the dealership's doing their job right, they sell the bike and they go, hold on, set aside 500 bucks because mm-hmm. you're going to get some tickets. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anytime I've ridden the Hyper Motard, whether it was the 1100 or the 821 or the, or the you know, 939, I guess they called it, you, you just yeah. knew you were going to get in trouble. It, it was like, there's just enough on this bike and it's just whispering in your ear constantly, like a little harder. Oh, yeah. A little more. A the little bike more. just eggs you on like, oh, did, did you yeah. see that sidewalk over I, there? I, you could totally ride down that sidewalk. I feel sidewalk. like I'm cheating on my wife when I ride a Hyper Motard. It's, uh, it's, just, it's just naughty. It's Is it on so your, like, uh, your list where you get a pass, a free pass? I like your celebrity list. You know, I will. I'm always baffled when I see people who have to like ask for permission to buy a motorcycle. That my wife, the sweet human being, if I so much as look at a bike with loving eyes, she's like, "You should buy that." It's. I mean, I mean, we're already married. I'll marry all over again. It's so cool to have someone like that. So I get a free pass with any motorcycle. Now, if I walk home with a $40,000 V4R, there's probably going to be some explaining to do. A little bit of a conversation. <laughs> Quite a bit of conversation. Granted, our Subaru Forester only cost twenty eight grand. <laughs> Priorities, man. Can I care be. more about motorcycles. Now, unlike you, you never put a, um, um, a cruiser on your list. I'm going to. Okay. Uh, oh, I, this is, I wonder what the clap back at this will be. I love the Harley Davidson. Um, um, I love it so much. I forgot its name. It's not the Fat Boy. It's the 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 Fat Slim. Bob. No, it's called the Slim. That's the one. The Harley Slim. It's just this old school looking bike. It's not built for anything other than just looking cool next to a bar. But that's what I think a cruiser should look like. To me, a cruiser is just this bare bones. It doesn't have to have big fat wide tires on there. It's just this old school looking cruiser. And it that bike does it for me. Like I want to get one of those and put a suicide shifter on it and like tiny little ape hangers on there. Like just, you know, mini, mini risers that I, with white walls, that bike would do it for me. I love that bike for a cruiser. That's the one for me. I just, I mean, I wish people could see my face, like just getting like, when you talked about a Harley, it's, 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 mind-boggling i owned a harley among all the motorcycles that i owned for about three weeks and the three weeks that i owned it everybody who knew me was like hey man did you lose a bet why do you own this harley and it was beautiful it was a custom street clyde it was gorgeous anyone that worked at a harley davidson dealership i did and i wrote ducatis (laughs) the owner of the harley dealership would always be like hey what do i have to do to have you ride a harley i said i don't nothing there's nothing you can do for me to ride a harley and i bought one but I've written that slim, and you can buy it now with, I think it's called the S model, and it comes with the bigger, fatter motor in it. I kind of get it. Anytime I've ridden one of those things, just the noise that it makes and the attitude that permeates from it is enough for me. But the way I ride is so unfair to that bike because I like going fast through corners. I like riding aggressively. You have to not do that on that bike. You have to drive or ride like you're driving an old Cadillac. You just got to take it easy. 
and just kind of lean back and relax and just kind of enjoy the surroundings and hear the noise and, and, you know, I don't know, listen to ZZ Top in your helmet. But I, I don't know why. I don't know why that bike makes me happy. I'm grinning as I'm telling you about it. I love that bike. Yeah, you are. I, I don't know why, man. It, it's like an idiot. Anytime I've gone to the Harley dealership for any reason to talk to somebody, as soon as I see one of those, I have to sit on it. I sit on it immediately. And it's like, I could do this. I could totally imagine doing this. And I told my wife, my wife who loves me and lets me buy any motorcycle, she's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're not going to buy that bike. You're never going to buy that bike. And it's not like her saying I'm not allowed to. She just knows I would buy it, take it home, and go, what the fuck did I do? Why did I buy this thing? I made a horrible mistake. <laughs> but I love it. Every time I see it, it's one of those things. I would want to just look at it. It's just pretty. That's all it's good for. I don't understand the rest of the Harley thing, and I worked in it for six, seven years. They... They're great at selling an idea and a brand, but I don't get the bikes mostly. But that one, that one tickles me. That's the one I've got. I love that you're rendered speechless over this thing. Like, I don't even know you anymore. The door's over there. Get the fuck out. <laughs> so many, yeah, so many decisions. We're going to have an intervention later on, guys. No, girls. But listen, here's the thing. I like almost all motorcycles. That's the real truth of it. I like almost all motorcycles. They, they, my favorite bike is the one that I own right now. That's always the case with motorcycles for me. And that, that goes for someone that owns a 10-year-old Kawasaki Concourse. You know what? I had a Victory Octane for a little while. Yes. I you were it. giggling at that bike. I, I remember. I didn't hate that bike. No. I would never buy one. It's, I mean, that's why it's not on my list. I would never buy one. Right. But if someone said, like, this is the only motorcycle you get to ride for the rest of your life, I'd be like, all right, this will give me a good life. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you're having a bad time on a motorcycle, if you're having a bad day on you're a motorcycle, you're a, probably doing it wrong. Yep. You're doing something totally wrong. You know, and there are plenty of bad ways to have a time on a motorcycle, but most of the time we're getting on these things and we're giggling. And I, I will wave at anyone that's on two wheels when I'm, I'm one of those wavers. I'll Even wave scooters. at you if you're riding. I will. You know why? And I said this to somebody to kind of give them perspective. People on scooters go through the same bullshit we go through. They're just doing it at a sp slower speed. They're actually just in as just much danger as you and I are on our motorcycles on the highway because they're not being seen. They're not being taken seriously. And there's plenty of times where they get hit. So I don't necessarily maybe wave at them so well. But if one of them waves at me, I'm not going to be like, ah, fuck you. You're on a scooter. Oh, yeah. I mean, fuck anyone waves to me. I'm going to wave back. But like, uh, but it's funny because in the motorcycling world, I know plenty of people are like, I don't wave at stupid scooters. You're a pansy if you ride one of those like all right dude easy because i've gone through some mountain passes on like a maxi scooter one of those big 450s that shit's hilarious yeah it's amazing i think i dare say i would go just as fast on one of those and as, as i would on a sport bike because you don't have to shift it's really easy to <laughs> toss us from corner to corner really easy with those smaller wheels and it's got plenty of power to go just as fast as you need to go on those 30 mile per hour passes to be fair there's something very rewarding about riding a slow bike fast Hence my love for that little 401 yeah. Vimpolin. Holy moly, I love that bike so much. And it's not even on my list. I did a helmet press launch on a Piaggio MP3 500. <laughs> three-wheeler. That's and the was, second three-wheeler you've mentioned yeah, today. Yeah, there's a thing. <laughs> I'm, I, I kind of drank the three-wheeler Kool-Aid. Like, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. It's just there's a time and place for it. Um, but I remember going through, we, we rode through uh, Highway 33 in Ojai, which is the road I, I kind of cut my teeth on. And I remember passing quite a few people on that little scooter and just being like, this is pretty <laughs> rad. Yep. You just got passed by a three-wheeled scooter, bro. <laughs> What's up? There's something very enjoyable about that. Now, total wrong tool for the for the job. God, there's so, still something fun. so satisfying about using the wrong tool and like yeah. beating other people at their game with it. It's yeah. hilarious. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight and winning somehow. Yeah. It makes it a little <laughs> bit a little bit sweeter yeah. for some reason. Um, well, Shaheen, that's, I think, all we've got for our dream garages. I'll be curious to hear what our listeners 
have to say about their green their yeah. dream garages. Tell us what your dream bikes are. In fact, send it to us on Facebook and maybe we'll post it up. Oh yeah, that is a good idea. Let's yeah. do it that. Uh, I should also make our listeners aware since we're having to start all over again in the old Apple podcast scene. If you listen to the show uh, through that, please leave us a review and comment. It greatly helps uh, other people find the show because of the way Apple's crazy system works. Yep. The more people like it and comment on it, the easier it is to find, which is because there's no reason you should find ESPN when you're searching for motorcycle podcast. Yeah. It's weird. The things that that show up, but um, I saw a bunch of you already did. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate all the banter. I appreciate all the, all the feedback. Please send us more. It helps us create better show for you. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash brap talk. Just search brap talk. B-R-A-P talk. Brap talk motorcycle podcast. We are, we brap talk on Twitter at brap talk on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we on Tinder? We can be, but only if you slide. Wait, which way are you supposed to slide? Swipe to the right. To the right. So swipe to the swipe, right. Swipe right on Brap Talk. Um, and with that, Shaheen. You know what I say. Safety third. All right, buddy. Good talk. I'll see you out there. Bye. Hold on. Coda? Cat. Adults are trying to talk here. Rude.